0: Welcome to the Dogger and Muddy Music Show, i.e. the damn show. (laughs) All right, it's spring, and Muddy and I are up here in the Treehouse Studio, putting final touches on this show's interview with our guest Mike Zito. It was so dubbed the Treehouse Studio thanks to a visit from our oldest son and his family, which includes two very creative and active grandsons. (laughs) Thanks to them, the studio has now been officially christened the Treehouse Studio. Mike Sito's original hometown is St. Louis. He is one heck of a blues artist. I have been following him for quite a while. In high school, he started working in St. Louis music stores. He developed into a solid, self-taught blues guitarist. He put together a band, and as they got their chops together, people started watching. I mean, seriously watching. After a few years, some demons came calling. That caused him a heck of a setback. But with time, he rallied. Climb back on the horse, and with the support of some great friends and artists, he pulled together a band and got back in the music business. A few years ago, he helped found the band Royal Southern Brotherhood with Cyril Neville and Devin Allman. They were very successful. Toured the world. The Brotherhood helped expand Mike's brand. But he wanted to get back to focusing on his music. So he said goodbye to Cyril and Devin, and he pulled his band back together. The Mike Zito Band is doing great, and they tell the story of the blues real well. For your information, Mike and his family now call the Houston area home. We conducted this interview four months ago, back on December thirtieth, two 2017, at the Kessler Theater. As I mentioned in the last show, our family moved to a new house at the beginning of this year, ate up a lot more of our time than we expected. I apologize to Mike and, and the damn show fans For publishing this show later than I wanted But There seems to be some mojo involved In publishing this show now <laughs> In early May As a matter of fact During the interview You'll hear Mike tell us about his upcoming spring release album Called First Class Life Well guess what It hits a record store near you As well as, the, as, well as Amazon Next Friday, May 11th <laughs> I'll be in line to buy it I hope you are too I love that mojo. Well, I know you're aware of this, but I just wanted to confirm for you that there are schmucks out there. Last June, in early summer, the night before I saw Mike Zito in concert at the Kessler, a bunch of his band equipment was stolen from his van at the place where they were staying down in Houston. Here's a weird twist. I just went to see Nils Lofgren at the Kessler a few weeks back in late March. Sure enough, Nils gets his band equipment stolen from his van, at a Dallas hotel. What's great is, the Kessler music stores and friends rallied and delivered equipment so that the shows did go on. Uh, But what about the stolen equipment? Let me tell you, these musicians' potential heartbreak stories had a happy ending. Both artists, Mike and Nils, got their equipment back. Pawn shops, eBay, police, and conscientious fans all got involved, which enabled these artists to get back musical instruments that were of significant value to them. Believe me, some of these musical instruments are like family. Good does come from bad from time to time. Hey, for a couple minutes into this interview with Mike, you will hear people in the background. We conducted this December 30th interview in the Kessler's Balcony Bar area, behind curtains. The doors to the theater had not been opened yet for the fans to go in. As we started talking, <laughs> people were sticking their heads through the curtain to see what was going on. Uh tad distracting. A couple minutes after our interview started... The doors to the balcony seating opened up, so that that background noise you hear disappears pretty quickly. You'll like this interview. Let's hear what Mike has to say. Amy, let's kick off the Dogger and Muddy Music Show.
1: This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes.
0: Are you listening? This is a real treat. I'm sitting here with Mike Zito. He just finished his sound check, uh, blasting the house, of, house apart out there. Um, Mike, you're originally from St. Louis. I saw you back in 2006, got your signature on Real Strong Feeling. Um, can you kind of take me through, uh, what, let, me, let me review quickly. You were nominated for two Blues Foundation Blues Music Awards this last year, Contemporary Blues Male Artist, and then Rock Blues Album. Yeah. Didn't win, but a great Didn't contender. Didn't
1: win. <laughs>
0: yeah. We'll fix that this year, right? Yeah. And then, but you did win the Blues Blast Music Awards for uh, Rock Blues Album, and that was for the album, I believe, Make Blues Not War? It was, yeah. Fantastic. Well, can you kick us off and kind of, you, you came from St. Louis, give us kind of how yeah. you got started in this yeah. whole business. Um, well, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri,
1: and um, I was born 1970. Good year to be born. And, uh, my, my, you know, my, nobody played music in my family. My father worked at Anheuser-Busch for, uh, God, almost 40 years. Wow. And he was a lot older than me, but he was really into uh, big band music. Buddy and, Rich? Uh, uh, Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa, and, of course, he liked all the singers, Sinatra and Dean Martin and... Um, he liked Harry James. He listened to all the big band music. So as a, you know, as a kid, you list early on. I listened to whatever my dad was listening to. Yeah, and then I got you know turned on the rock and roll through my. I have a, older brother and sisters, and um, so I think around seventy eight. You know, I got my first. I got a Van Halen record and a record player. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd been listening to like big band. And I got this Van Halen record. Uh, I was like entranced with the guitar. Like, what is that sound? You know, right? Because it was not that you know the guitar is just in the background on on all those big band. It's just rhythm, you know, uh, what I had heard. So it was really it was really exciting. That and then I got a guitar that uh, that Christmas, and no one knew how to play, and I didn't. What, know what, was it an acoustic or an electric? No, I, it was an electric from the J C Penney catalog. Uh, <laughs> Everybody starts that, Yeah, like a guitar and a amp combo, and and. So uh, but I had it for many years and, and never put it down, and I had no idea how to play it, but I always played it, you know, never had lessons or anything. And I got in high school, and then I finally met some other kids that, that knew how to play guitar, knew how to tune it, right. they showed me how to tune the guitar, and you know know you're playing it all wrong, put your fingers here and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I was in bands in high school, and, and I sang. I've always been singing. I've been singing since I was four or five in, in talent shows and stuff. So, so I was, uh, you know, singing in high school, rock bands, but, but playing rhythm guitar, learning how to play guitar. I was always really interested in, like, really interested in music. I just didn't know how to do it, you know. Yeah. So to uh, started like that, and then I, I got a job right out of high school at a local guitar store in my neighborhood yeah. called Tower Grove Music, and I started there. Uh, when I was 18, I worked there for almost 10 years.
0: Was that was that where you met our buddy Dave Hinson? Uh, from, that's where uh, I met
1: Dave Hinson. Yeah, D- Dave worked at another store downtown, pretty a famous shop called J Gravity, and um, he had a, um, a a popular band around town. You know, Dave's a little older than me, um, but then he came and worked at the store I worked at at one point, and he and I remember he came in one day with killer vintage T-shirts.
0: <laughs> he had just invented them. So right. Yeah, he's uh he's got a gig tomorrow night at the Ritz Carlton with Dean Faring. Oh, nice. He's a great guy. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that was really my um the music store for 10 years was my education and uh it's uh, looking back now it, it was right in the middle of South St. Louis. Uh, uh Johnny Johnson came in, Chuck Berry came in. Oh, wow. Richard Fortas Uh, Who I took some guitar lessons with Is the guitarist in Guns N' Roses Fantastic Now, Peter Mayer lives six blocks away And he's been Jimmy Buffett's guitar player For 25 years And uh, then all of the great blues artists Local is St. Louis All came in that store Like all these amazing musicians Came in that music store And I worked there Did Ike come in, I I would guess? You know, I met Ike once I met um, Ike Turner ike turner i met ernie Isley, who had moved to east st louis um of course guys had all played with albert king and his band and uh there was just all these musicians you know it yeah. was 1989 and um when i started there and that decade was uh looking back like wow you couldn't have paid for you know that, oh yeah that time's come and gone and um so that was really where I cut my teeth, you know. I, and, of course, blues was always at the forefront of being in St. Louis. I mean, it, even if you weren't a blues band, you played blues or you played R&B or, you know. Right. Um, it's that kind of town. So
0: so then you made the jump up to, you know, you you, you know, learned the music, you got lessons. Sounds I like played you pretty- in a lot
1: of cover bands, you know, and dance bands and in blues bands. I played in a country band, played in rock bands, you know, played... All this different stuff. And then I think around 1998, uh, I, I made my first CD. And yeah. I, I decided, like, that's it. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to – because I had seen these guys. There were guys coming through town at the time, uh, Tab Benoit, uh, yeah. Walter Trout, Tommy Castro. Um, you know, they were making records and um, for Alligator Records and Blind Pig Records and, and Roof Records. And I was a big Luther Allison fan. I was getting turned on to this – the real genre of blues, and uh, there was a lot of uh, blues guitar at that time. You know, this was all post Stevie Ray Vaughn and uh, there was uh, a whole scene, and they were starting to come through the town. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to make my own songs, and, and um, but I wanted to play some kind of blues. I, I liked it that it was like I could play
0: what I wanted and write my own songs. And uh, yeah. So I started doing that in the late 90s. So and you're writing your own stuff pretty much right away when you hit the road?
1: Yeah, and even in high school, all the way back to high school, I was writing my own stuff because I, I, I could not learn other people's music very well because I, I was not educated, and I've been, always been self-educated. So I could learn chords, and, and, and I would start writing songs because I couldn't figure out the riffs. Huh. or I couldn't learn the licks very well, you know? Um, so i just make my own up and, and start writing tunes, you know? Very so, good. Yeah.
0: So you start touring, and uh, you went through a little bit of a challenging period, I believe. If you if you don't yeah, mind you know, sharing I'm, a little bit.
1: By the time I had made my first record, i had been playing in bars for almost uh, you know eight or ten years, and so after a decade of playing five six nights a week in St. Louis and drinking every night, and then and then getting into drugs and doing drugs, eventually you know it all come to a head, and um, so I had some opportunities there. Where I could have moved ahead maybe with a career, but the, the drugs and the alcohol got in the way, and, and um, it really might, you know I had to kind of basically stop yeah. playing music it was really it was pretty rough a uh, for a while there, and I kind of floundered around and wound up in Texas working for fender guitars and um, yeah out of Houston right out, out of, uh, near Houston, yeah, and got uh, clean and sober in 2003, and thought, well I need to get back to playing that you know i've realized yeah. like wow so if i go and play and and get paid and don't spend the money on drugs and alcohol you, you might make a living yeah doing this you know
0: so had you gotten some help from other artists along? i did
1: walter Trout was a big yeah. huge help huge help he he uh, you know really uh stepped up and uh, had told me you know i need I, I couldn't play with him anymore so i got you know straightened out and and then when I did get, you know, sober and call him, he, you know, he could call me night or day. And, of course, Tommy Castro was another guy that really helped me out. Tab Benoit, um, I just had a lot, I've had a lot of That's great. help,
0: Great you know, community. Guys
1: that I met 20 years ago that, you know, I was trying to do what, what they were doing. Right. And um, so then I started over again in 2004 and started, you know, from Texas, which was really a good thing because I was kind of in St. Louis in a box of uh, – well, you could play every night and never leave town. So uh, where I moved to southeast Texas, I started traveling and moving around. And that's really what it's all about. You have to get out on the road and travel. Right. And,
0: uh, and Texas all by itself has tons of different routes.
1: Tons of gigs. You know? yeah. That's what I did for, for years was just work the Gulf Coast and, and work in Texas and, and learning to – to get gigs all around and uh, then it's it's paid off.
0: I saw you back. I think it was around the 2005 timeframe and it was great. You opened for Walter. Yeah. But now you've expanded, you go, uh, you go, you've been to Europe several times, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I've, I've, you know, that was always the dream was to kind of do what Walter was doing. And um, I, you know, I did a signed a record deal in 2007 and uh, with a collecto groove, Delta groove records in California. So I did my first record and, and, uh, that was, you know, that was, I mean, I've been doing my own records, but I did my first, like real, like I've been playing with my guys. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm with, uh, Ben Montinch from the Tom Petty and the yeah. Breakers yeah. and Hutch Hutchinson from Bonnie Raitt's band. Yes, and, uh, absolutely. Tony Bronigal. I have and, uh, Prince's producer. Like all these guys are oh, making so cool. my record with me, you know? So it was, a. A life changing experience to yeah, go. Those to, are awesome artists. Yeah, yeah. That was that was over ten years ago. So, that was a real game changer. And uh, I've been fortunate enough now to, uh, um, you know, have several uh, record deals and keep making records and work with uh, all these great people, like all my heroes. You know, I've played with all these. All these great people, and it just keeps going. And,
0: uh, but I think you've put out, maybe it's more, but uh, you've put out an album each of the last four years, I think, haven't you?
1: You know, if you count all my independent records starting in 1998, I've done 14 albums. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and on the record labels, you know, I've, I've had about a, a eight or nine albums since 2007 in the past 10 years, So, including the Royal Southern Brotherhood, which was a... <laughs> Group I was
0: in, yeah, yeah. You uh, you helped form. You were one of the founders, and you a- yeah. joined uh, uh, Cyril Neville and uh, Devin Allman. Yeah, um, that was kind of you, you know. Here you had your own act. Now you jumped over with these guys. What were your th- right. What were you thinking?
1: Well, you know, my my career was going pretty well, and I and like you said, I was out there. I had three albums out on the record label and was touring, and um, you know. But it's a it's a long, hard, long, hard road of 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 beating it out you know it's a 20 year minimum plan and um well i needed you know my manager's like you know you need like a we need a boost you need to you need to do something like a a eventful like something and cyril neville and i had been writing songs and i'd known Devin allman for i mean a long time we worked at guitar center together in st louis oh crack me up so uh we just got together and wrote some songs, the three of us. And then we started to talk about, well, maybe we would start a band. And my manager said, you know, this is the kind of thing you should, you should really do this. This would be a, this would be a real game changer. And, and, uh, it was hard, you know, because I, I enjoyed playing my own music. And, uh, even if I wasn't, you know, getting rich, I, I was doing what I always wanted to do, right. but what a great opportunity to go make music with these guys. And, um, yeah, it was. It just it exploded. Immediately, it turned into a you know big thing. in the blues, and then the you know Americana roots world, It was an overnight success. That right, really blew up. So yeah, you all won some awards, I believe. Right? Yeah, we did. It. It was a really big deal. And uh, at the time, I was like a little overwhelmed. <laughs> I think that I, I was like, oh, I don't know that I want to do this forever. I want to write my you know play blues and. But looking back, it was a. What a five it was about four and a half years you know yeah it was really great we went all over the world took me really took me all over the world and made gave me a career
0: you know? yeah i was just going to say it had to introduce you to
1: a whole new uh audience it Did base, right and we and we signed with roof records which is the always been the label i've wanted to work with and i'm still with them and uh, so yeah that was to answer your question long uh so i we go to europe every year now because of the brotherhood you know yeah so.
0: so, but then after a while, you decided, well, I want to go back on the road myself. Yeah. I want to put my band back. Knew I
1: knew that I, you know, I wanted the brotherhood to keep going, but I didn't want it to be a full-time thing. And it just, uh, it just wasn't able to, everybody wasn't on the same page at the time. So I just kind of took a bow and, and, um, and got back to doing my thing and, uh, which I'm very happy, you know, because I, I, I like singing my songs and, and, and. Sure. Uh, I like playing a little more blues, and I'm just most comfortable in that situation. Yeah, so. right,
0: right. Yeah. Do you, um... I I remember uh, besides seeing you in concert I was also following you every six weeks or so when the UK magazine the blues magazine came out because you had a nice little uh, editorial section in there I did I've been fortunate I started
1: writing later in life actually when I started in the brotherhood I started a blog Ah, okay. started writing this blog and uh, it was helping me to kind of and I was sharing my experience kind of around recovery based being sober and on the road and and uh, It just kind of turned into a thing that that, uh, you know, people really started to respond to. And I didn't really realize I could write like besides write songs, like, but just write And the magazine approached me and said, you know, you're pretty good at writing. Would you want to start to write a column? So that was a real that was a big deal. I I wrote for about three years. I wrote a column in every issue. And now I write a column for Blues Matters magazine in the U.K., Oh, okay. So that's nice. And I still write my blog. It's called The Man in Recovery. Yeah. Um, I have a book that I'm, I'm a recovery book I'm working on. Oh, very gonna good. That's going to come out at the end of
0: next year. End of next year. So that's
1: great. Yeah, it's fun. I, I don't it's think fun. I don't think you're busy enough. <laughs> and then in the middle of all that, I'm, I've, you know, I've gotten to become a producer. So I, I produce records for for Roof Records, and I have a recording studio that we built. Um, in Texas, there. So yeah. I'm, I'm working so what, with young artists, you know, and uh, uh, friends, up and coming people, people in my area, you know, I help them. Good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Nine months ago, I came and saw you here at the Kessler. Yeah. And. <laughs> You came in, and uh, the community had to help you. Help you, <laughs> that's because, right. Because I take everybody through this rotten story, and then I, right. I heard today when when we're down, when you're down doing your sound check that everything was recovered. But but tell the story. Uh, we had, you know
1: we we played uh, the Heights Theater in Houston on Friday, and the Kessler here, uh, the beautiful Kessler in Dallas, Texas, on Saturday, and it was. Um, we played Friday and we were broken into in Houston and they stole uh, a guitar amp and the bass amp and uh, cymbals, you know, not everything, but all of the good stuff that we... And this was set up behind you know. your house, right? No, no, no. This was in Houston. Okay. We had played in Houston. Oh, yes. I'm sure. And sorry. then, I'm so sorry. then we had to drive here and we, hadn't, we didn't have time. So we had to, yeah, we got people to help us bring amps
0: and, <laughs>
1: and everything. And we, but we had a great show. It was a great night.
0: Oh, it was a great night. And um, so you called ahead, and people, yeah, yeah. Like they were, I think you had somebody's personal drum set, drum kit. Yeah, yeah. But ironically, a month later,
1: I found everything had been stolen. I found it on eBay, eBay, on a pawn shop in Houston. Had put it all up for sale. So uh, it took a little work with the police, but but this past end of September, we got everything back, every item back. Really? Yeah.
0: You know, and very limited to no damage.
1: No, other than the window broken on the the vehicle. (laughs) That was it. Yeah, I mean, it was a big pain, and it reminded me of the, you know, it hasn't happened in a long time. Right. right. Wow. You know, it can happen.
0: Yeah, it can. Yeah. Back in your early days, you played a Fender Tally and I'm sure some other, uh, what we would call kind of mainline guitars. But now uh, I notice on stage uh, for the last couple of years, you've been playing Delaney guitars and uh, Heritage guitars can you take us through that a little bit
1: yeah sure i mean i, I worked for fender and i was a fender artist and uh love the telecaster just kind of you know uh, the bigger companies have become more branded and corporate and i mean they still make great guitars it's it's right. nothing personal i just met mike delaney and and uh he said you know i could make you a, a great telecaster and i was like yeah i I'd be interested in that, you know, <laughs> and I ended up uh you know I played one of his guitars, I just fell in love with it and uh, so what what was the difference the tone or just it was a lot like a like a custom shop fender you know but but um you know not you know six or eight thousand dollars or some ridiculous amount of money. And he said, you know, I can make you whatever you want. And it was the first time I got to sit down with someone and tell them well, I'd love this kind of neck or this kind of wood. And, and it, we became such good friends and we've become now over the years just like partners in this together. And I have, I don't know, I probably have a dozen Delaney guitars, but, but we make a Delaney, you know, we make a couple of models uh, and his business has really taken off over the past 10 years. And we make a Mike Zito model. And, yeah, I've um, been up to their website. I've seen. Yeah, it's that. been it's just been really fun to uh, after all those years working in a music store, working for Fender, and I know all about gear to to work with a guitar builder. And we build, you know, I tell him like, let's try these pickups and this, and and he can do it. You know, he yeah. can put it together. And Heritage is a uh, that's that's new for me this year, but I've. I've Never really played Gibson guitars. Hmm. They always seem so different than the telecaster. I mean they really are. It's very different finesse type instrument. And sometimes I've always, a lot
0: of a lot of them have the D neck, which is a little deeper.
1: Yeah, and I've just always had in my head like, well someday. But again, I'm not big on the corporate name yeah. stuff and so I was in Kalamazoo, and that's where the original, yeah. you know, where the plant is, the Heritage
0: Guitars. and Yeah, and just was, so people know, that's where the original Gibson plant that's was. That's right. And that's then right. when, uh, uh, I believe the Japanese bought them, and they moved to the plant to a, the Georgia area, I believe. Right. And, um, but a lot of the Luthiers stayed back in Kalamazoo. And they bought
1: the plant. They bought the original Gibson plant in the late 60s, early 70s. And they bought it, and they started their own uh, company heritage, yeah, which is so, gorgeous. I love that. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah, so great we, story. It's a great story, yeah. and they make incredible guitars. So uh, I was there, and I just, you know, I had met the met the uh, the artist rep, and he brought out a Les Paul Junior, and I bought it from him. And I said, you know what, this is great because I play my Delaney Telecasters, but I want to have another guitar like a Les Paul or a three thirty five style. And I just, so I started working with Heritage this year, and they make such great, fantastic guitars. Yeah. I mean, just
0: beautiful. And, and um, so it's a great match, you know. I've yeah, been I've playing a, a Telly and a Les Paul. And, yeah, I used to have a beautiful uh, yellow Sunburst uh, 535, which oh, I, I loved. They make um,
1: just, I think, uh, the best. So it's, it's, it's really fun for me. A guy that um i don't mean to sound like sappy or nothing but i you know we didn't have much money and uh, you know and no one played music in my family and, and they weren't not supportive but it's really cool after all these years <laughs> i get to work with these people and you know and create and, these it, toys yeah, to play and, with and these, make toys, these right? guitars and help play these toys and it's so much fun you know like
0: it's such a dream as a kid yeah to uh, to get to do it you know and curious on the delaney are you using any specific wood different wood from oh it's what? a
1: swamp ash body and okay. um you know maple neck and rosewood fretboard yeah just he makes it all handmade i mean he literally cuts the body is he local in houston hand. or he's in uh, outside of austin in bass trip texas Way cool yeah great guitars great guitars
0: i love it yeah well you're here at the kessler how many how many days a week are you on stage i mean days a week how many days a year are you on stage we probably do 150 shows yeah. a year
1: around the world, you know, and then travel. But you know, yeah,
0: yeah, living in the van, so, right? Used to be 250, so it's good. 150 is better. So yeah, right. <laughs> so any interesting stories over the last few years from oh, being on the road? Oh my God, I would. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> there, yeah. it's always
1: interesting, and then we're you know we're pretty lame uh being i I don't drink or or do anything exciting anymore but we have some uh traveling there's always uh you know between airports and uh, i can't think of anything good right now but uh
0: it's always interesting there's never lack of excitement i'll bet one one thing or another you know right so tonight here we are the the 30th of uh, december uh, yeah. you're, you're playing here at the Kessler, headlining right. at the Kessler. Now tomorrow night you'll be back home, right? Yeah, be in Houston tomorrow night at the Dossy do for New Year's Eve. Is this kind? Of, do
1: you is this an annual gig kind of for you down there? Or? It is. In fact, this is here. Jim Suler and I are here tonight, and we we've done this. This is the second year in a row where we do uh, Austin and Dallas, and then I play Dossy Doe New Year's. I've been doing that about
0: five years now, so it's That's great. great. That's yeah. great. I'm lucky. Well, now when, when the new year's is over, uh, I would assume you may have a little bit of dead time. Are you, are you working on another album for 2018? I,
1: I have a new album that's already, it's already in the can. It comes out in May. It's called first class life. Um, and I'm, I'm doing some recording. I'm producing some stuff coming up, but I start on January the 15th. I head back to Europe for, a I'm a member of the Blues Caravan for Roof Records. Oh, yeah. In 2018 with Bernard Allison, uh, Luther Allison's son. Yeah. And we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Luther Allison's passing. So uh, wow. I've got a four-week tour that starts January 15th.
0: Oh, wow. Where, uh, where all are you going to hit in Europe? Oh, uh, Germany and Belgium and
1: uh, uh, all yeah, over. All over. <laughs> Everywhere, yeah.
0: That's great. So it's I'm busy. It's that's, good. That's great. Well... I'm, I know you've got to eat, and uh, I do. I like to eat. I know, and then you're gonna be on stage here, and, and probably pretty, pretty soon.
1: Not too bad. Yeah. But you know,
0: the best part is, uh, everybody likes a fat blues
1: guitar player. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> I don't think you fit the bill on that, Mike. Based upon what I'm looking at right now, no. but you, you look to be I'm in pretty working good on shape. it. Yeah, yeah. Any closing thoughts? And hopefully, we can have you back on later on down yeah, the road. I'd love road. to be on the show. Thank you, Doug, for having me, and
1: uh, good luck with with it i i I love the the whole theme and the idea and it's an honor to be a guest so yeah man just support the podcast support live music you know get out and hear some blues great
0: thank you mike it was really a treat i appreciate it appreciate you have a great day you too For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, adios. I cannot feel a speak Punches underwater Drifting in the open sea Or is this a dream Just is too far and to take it's to see Is this a dream I won't?